This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Health update on Jake the Snake Roberts, Dark Side of the Ring viewership for Chris Canyon episode up from last week, and I give you my predictions for tonight's WWE Extreme Rules. I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. Jake the Snake Roberts has been absent from AEW TV because he reportedly underwent foot surgery, according to an exclusive report by Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net. According to Haynes, the AEW manager had pins inserted in some of his toes. His doctors have recently cleared cleared him to return to work, Roberts could potentially appear on AEW programming as early as this week, which would be awesome to see for Jake the Snake Roberts. Dark Side of the Ring viewership for Chris Canyon episode up from last week. It drew 214,000 viewers on Vice TV, according to Showbuzz Daily. This is up 39% from the season 3B premiere that aired last week, which focused on WWE's infamous 2002 played around from hell. That episode drew only 153,000 viewers. A reminder that Dark Side of the Ring airs on Thursdays, and it goes head-to-head with Thursday Night Football and The Masked Singer on Fox, so I wouldn't look too much into the viewership for Dark Side of the Ring to give you a sense of how good the episode is. Uh, I think a lot of people were up in arms with the ratings given the fact that the Plane Ride from Hell episode was so important from a realization standpoint of the event because the Plane Ride from Hell used to be portrayed by cartoons and people used to think that, oh, it's just a fun thing that happened. But no, there was a sexual, uh, accusations of sexual assault on that plane ride. So it's free to watch on YouTube now, so go check it out if you didn't. But I really wouldn't look too deep into these Dark Side of the Ring viewership episodes because... Uh, they're going head-to-head with Thursday Night Football. They're going head-to-head with The Masked Singer. And these are the two most rated, highly rated shows in TV at the moment, not just on Thursday nights, just on TV in general, especially The Masked Singer. You know, nothing touches The Masked Singer. So, you know, let's just leave it at that. All right, let's get into my predictions for WWE Extreme Rules tonight. Uh, I'm going to start off with, a, I wouldn't call it a lower card, but I'm going to go from... Um, the non-championship matches, there's only one non-championship match, so I'll start from there and then go all the way up to uh, the Universal Championship match, Extreme Rules Extreme Rules match between Roman Reigns and the Demon Finn Balor. But let's start off with Liv Morgan versus Carmella. So this has been brewing for a bit, and Liv Morgan has been brewing for a bit ever uh, prior to Money in the Bank. You know, they're just trying to get involved in the, the main roster scene once again as a, a legitimate competitor. And uh, Liv Morgan versus Carmella is a really solid match for her because there's not too much at stake where it's not like you're throwing her in the title picture right away, but you're really building up Liv Morgan legitimately. And I think that Liv Morgan definitely should win this match. There's no reason why not Liv Morgan shouldn't win this match, even though she lost on the previous episode of SmackDown uh, on, on Friday night. It's still mind-boggling in a way because you want to uh, push her so much so that she gets that it's a good momentum boost into Money in the Bank, but I guess not. I guess, you know, given her the loss there, uh, it proves that Liv Morgan is still vulnerable, and she's not at the creme, creme de la creme that we're used to seeing all these other wrestlers. So, you know, I'm just trying, I'm maybe it's just me making excuses for WWE at this point, but I, I'm i hoping that there's a, really a direction for Liv Morgan because she, if she comes out of this with a loss, that is going to be the worst, worst thing for her. Worst thing for her. I had her winning Money in the Bank. I thought that she she was going to be the one to grab the briefcase, and at least she would have something physical to represent her push. But as it currently stands right now, her push has been stop and go, stop and go, 
and let's hope that it turns into a go for Liv Morgan because she deserves it. She de- deserves it. She's been through the ringer through it all. She's seen her friends get released, uh, you know, the Riot Squad and everything like that. Like they're all gone, and now it's just her left in the WWE. Obviously, WWE sees something in her to keep her around for so so long. And hell, they're putting her on a pay per view match against Carmella. So even though it's not for a title, which is completely fine, don't have to put her for a title right away. And it's good to have an organic build like that where you continue to build the person up and up and up. But, oh boy, just I really hope for Liv Morgan's sake, for her sake, and I'm picking her for her sake, that she wins this match. Really, really, I, I pray at this point because she, she needs it more than anybody else. All right, moving on to our next match. Damian Priest versus Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus in a triple threat match for the United States Championship. Damian Priest coming into this match as the United States Champion. And uh, I see it staying that way. I think Damian Priest continues to hold this championship. I think he holds it for a little while until... Someone from the outside comes in and takes it from him, possibly from the draft. Someone from uh, SmackDown comes over to Raw or uh, vice versa. If Damian Priest goes over to SmackDown, if something along those lines happens, uh, I think that's when he'll lose it uh, to someone that's coming from the outside in. But Jeff Hardy has been involved in the United States title picture for so long. Sheamus has been involved in the United States title picture for so long. He held that belt for so long but never defended it because he was legitimately injured. So it's just it, it, to me, it's a little bit stale, and to put the belt back on Sheamus would be a terrible thing, given the fact that it would make Damian Priest's uh, title reign and that win at SummerSlam feel feel null and void. I really love Damian Priest, and I love what WWE has been doing with people that they're genuinely trying to push, like Damian Priest. They've been having him, uh, I mean, sort of like that Riddle effect, where in, in the beginning for Matt Riddle. Uh, he he got put the I believe it was either the, I think it was the United States Championship they put on on Riddle it was either the United States or Intercontinental Championship but they they put the belt on him for a little while I think it was the United States Championship they put the belt on him and then that him holding that belt propelled him into now RK Bro so Damian Priest he had a little bit more of a, a longer wait than Riddle did to get the United States Championship put on him but at the same time it was like Priest was doing nothing he was putting on matches with Bad Bunny and stealing the show at WrestleMania because of it so. Uh, I see no problem with what they're doing with Damian Priest right now. I think they're doing fantastic things with him. And I think now putting him in a match against Hardy, against Sheamus at the same time, having him come out on top after all that uh, will be the best thing for him uh, moving forward. And when he does eventually lose the belt, it's not a bad thing. Similar to to Riddle, when he does eventually lose the belt, like how Riddle eventually lost the United States Championship, it propelled him into RK Bro. So I could see a similar thing going for Damian Priest. Uh, possibly could even move him, uh, propel him into uh, a championship title picture for the WWE Championship against Big E. That's definitely a possibility. I'm t- now I'm talking maybe uh, eight months down the line from now. You know, I'm not talking right now, right now. But you know, if we're, if we're talking next year SummerSlam, we could see Damian Priest in the main event picture. We could see him, if not that, in a strong tag team division on Raw with our with RK Bro being involved and stuff like that. So uh, Damian Priest is nothing but up from here. So there's no real reason for them to take the belt off him now. You know, give him some time with the championship at least. But there's no real reason to take the belt off him now. And, and he's been the WWE advocate for the, the Hispanic Latino community as of recent because of Bad Bunny. And then now he goes to the Billboard Awards and stuff like that and gives the awards out. Uh, I believe to Bad Bunny, so he's he's been the Latino uh, legend for the WWE in in recent memory. So uh, there's no reason to stop that either. So I give him a ton of credit. Good on Damian Priest. All right, moving on to the Usos versus the Street Profits in the SmackDown Tag Team Championships match. 
Uh, Usos I have winning here. If the Usos lose here, and that might be a sign that Roman might lose at the end of the night. Uh, that that I'm, that's all I'm saying because there's no real reason to have you know they printed out the shirts already so they have everyone holding championship gold at least at one point so it's not a terrible thing to for them to lose now but um, if the Usos lose uh, I would be very very surprised and they would have they're gonna stay with Roman given the fact of the bloodline faction and stuff like that but it, with the Street Profits losing I think he also gives them a chance to move over to Raw if need be. Uh, during the draft, because it would be like, oh, it's their last shot at the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Let's move over to Raw, put on some fantastic matches against RK Bro. And uh, I feel they can do, the Street Profits can move to either brand and they'll make whatever brand they're on better. Um, right now, does SmackDown need the help in the, the tag team division? Possibly a little bit. You know, I have Alpha Academy there and, uh, you know, Raw is bringing up some good tag teams. Uh, they're putting some stuff together over there. So I'm not too worried about the tag team division in WWE from a standpoint of that there's not enough people. It's just that it's not as taken as legitimate as AEW's tag team division, for example. That's the only problem that I have with WWE. It's not a quantity issue. It's a quality issue with WWE when it comes to the tag team division. And I think they would be a lot better served if there was one singular tag team title and they had more feuds uh, between tag teams that had nothing to do with the belt. It's just like, you know, just how normal pro wrestling works. I don't like you, you don't like me. Let's feud for a little bit. Let's have a couple good matches, even if it's not for a belt. And then that propels whoever comes out of that, win or loss, uh, possibly with a championship opportunity going forward. So be because they got that exposure on television without even having to fight for a belt, because not everything has to be for a championship. So I know I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but uh, with the Street Profits, no matter where they go after this, win or loss, I think they'll be fine no matter what brand they land on, uh, especially loss. It, 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 to me, they, I think they're almost bulletproof at this point, the Street Profits. So put them on Raw, they'll be fine. Put on SmackDown, even better. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'll get into the next few matches, the Raw Women's Championship match, SmackDown Women's Championship match, and the Universal Championship Extreme Rules match. Something you're not going to want to miss, so stick around right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on September 26, 2005, Raw airs for the final time on Spike TV. The split comes five years to the day after WWE's flagship show was plucked from USA after Viacom won the broadcasting rights to the WWE's cable programming. Unfortunately for the network formerly known as TNN, they got the programming just as the peak of wrestling's popularity died out. Uh, that's coming after the Attitude Era, so you know nothing really was going to beat that, meaning they never really saw the ratings USA Network saw at the end of the uh, Monday Night Wars, so uh, it's just... It's just a sign of the times. Things went downhill there around uh, from after 2000, after the, the Attitude Era was over, getting into the Ruthless Aggression Era. Uh, but then they lose them at 2005. and 2006, it's a whole resurgence because Cena is now on top of the world. So poor on Spec TV. They, get, they, got the, they got a really tough four years there, if anything. All right. On September 26, 2008, SmackDown airs for the final time on the CW Network. So on the same day, it might be coincidental, but maybe WWE just loves September 26 when it comes to uh, TV contracts. Uh, on that same day, the CW was knocked off. Uh, well, they, they split away from the WWE for SmackDown back in 2008. In February 2008, WWE and the CW mutually agreed to part ways. The same month, uh, My Network TV picked up the, the TV rights. Uh, it would be the network's last first-run series. Uh, My Network was converted from a television network to a programming service in the early 2009s. 
And uh, in October 2010, SmackDown would leave my network for Sci-Fi, which I remember as a kid watching uh, pro wrestling and SmackDown on Sci-Fi. That, that that sticks in my mind. I don't really remember watching on the CW as much uh, comparatively. But you know, if I went to go watch SmackDown, it was on Sci-Fi, and I always remember the weird Sci-Fi commercials because it just didn't feel like WWE fit on Sci-Fi as a channel. I don't know why. Uh, either way. When it all finally moved to sci-fi, that meant everything was under the NBC Universal umbrella, which was a, a good thing for NBC Universal and a good thing for a WWE because you have all your eggs in one basket. All right, let's move to part two of uh, the WWE Extreme Rules predictions, starting off with the Raw Women's Championship match. So far, I've had every champion winning, and this time I'm going to switch things up. I think uh, Alexa Bliss is going to come out on top and win the Raw Women's Championship, and I might say, Jaden. Yeah, you really, you really think that Alexa Bliss is going to take it off Charlotte Flair? And honestly, it's a toss-up for me. I don't think they go throughout this whole pay-per-view without a title change, to be honest with you. Uh, is it possible that they do? Sure, because we're going into Crown Jewel, and there's definitely going to be a title change at Crown Jewel. So, yes, could this be a transitional pay-per-view in a way? Is it a build-up for Crown Jewel? Possibly. It's just the fact that I don't think they're going to go through this whole Extreme Rules pay-per-view without a title change. And Alexa Bliss taking it off Charlotte Flair gives Charlotte Flair another opportunity to win a championship. Yeah, future down the line. Charlotte Flair can get drafted over to SmackDown if need be. I think it opens up a wider range of opportunities if Charlotte Flair loses the championship because it allows for more storytelling opportunities with Alexa Bliss as the Raw Women's Champion. Uh, yeah, I, I won't. I will never knock Alexa Bliss because when she's a heel and when she's a good, she she can be a, a great heel. She's a fantastic heel. Right now with this gimmick, I think it's working fine for her. I won't say it's working great, but it would work a lot better if Bray Wyatt was still in the company. You know, I'm not gonna deny that. It would work a lot better in that perspective. But uh, outside of that circumstance. Uh, I feel like putting the Raw Women's Championship on Alexa Bliss would possibly legitimize her in that character in a way, much like it kind of legitimized Nikki Ash. They didn't have to put the Raw Women's Championship on her to legitimize her. I think putting the the women's tag team titles on her legitimized her in a way as well. So uh, I guess that's the tool that the Raw Women's Championship is currently being used as. And I know we talk like, oh, it should be put on a real champion and so that title looks so much stronger in the future, like how they're doing with the Universal Championship. I think we all just need to take a step back. And it's not knocking the Raw Women's Championship. It's not knocking the SmackDown Women's Championship. And it's not knocking who's holding it either. But Roman Reigns is on such a different level, you know, comparatively so to whoever's holding the Raw Women's SmackDown Women's Championships now. You know, I'm not knocking Becky Lynch. I'm not knocking Charlotte Flair in a way. But they're not doing what for the title what Roman Reigns is doing for the Universal Championship at the moment. And could they find someone to do that? Sure, but I not right now. Right now is not the the time because Charlotte Flair, we've seen her do it multiple times and uh, it, 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 I want to say it's growing stale, but it doesn't have the same effect. Uh, Becky Lynch coming back is kind of doing that for the SmackDown Women's Championship, but it might feel like a copycat effect given the fact that they're both on SmackDown. So it sort of feels that like Becky Lynch just wants to do what Roman Reigns is doing because she, she sees that Roman Reigns is doing so well with it, turning heel. So uh, also we kind of need a, a face champion because only right now, as it currently stands on this card, uh, Damian Priest is the only face champion and uh having alexa bliss uh be another champion to come out here as a baby face would uh would be good as well so i'm going alexa bliss here and uh, if it bites me in the butt uh, i won't be too mad about it 
All right, moving on to the SmackDown Women's Championship, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. I think Becky Lynch wins here. Uh, I don't think she wins clean. I think she wins screwy. Uh, also, given the fact that this is a, an Extreme Rules pay-per-view and there's only one Extreme Rules match on the card, uh, you know, it kind of grinds my gears in a way. You know, you can't have a false count anywhere match on any of these matches. You can't have a... You know, throw a cage somewhere out there. Yeah, and give me, you know, give me just a no DQ. Doesn't have to be extreme rules. Don't have to call it that. Give me no holes bars, something like that. I don't know, but just the fact that it's an extreme rules pay per view and there's only one extreme rules match. I remember as a kid, every match had a, a fun stipulation towards it. Even a kendo stick match or something like that. I don't remember. Either way, uh, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. I think Becky Lynch wins on a screw finish. No, no harm against Bianca Belair in any way. Uh, I think she's still one of the strongest, if not the strongest, uh, women's competitors in the company right now. One, probably one of the best women's talent in the company right now, Bianca Belair is. And just because she's not holding a championship right now doesn't put anything, does it not occur in any way. Uh, I think that just the fact of Becky Lynch, it, the WWE did right by Becky Lynch. She got pregnant. She gave up her title right away. And then when she came back, she has a title put back on her right away because it, they probably uh, guaranteed her that you know you will not lose your spot in the company just because you got pregnant. You're not gonna have to start from the bottom, work your way back up. It's, you you started exactly how you left. You started your return exactly how you left. You left champion, you come back champion, and that's exactly what happened. I have no problem with it because that's good business from a from a Becky Lynch perspective. But for Bianca Belair, does it suck in a way? Sure, but hey, now she's getting some great matches with Becky Lynch going forward. I can see them putting on three straight pay per view matches, and I'd be fine with. Moving on to the main event, Roman Reigns versus the Demon King, Finn Balor. Or is it just the Demon now? I guess the Demon, Finn Balor, uh, for the Universal Championship. Uh, this is an Extreme Rules match. I've been, I've been mentioning that none of these matches have been no disqualification or anything like that. So this is the first one that's actually Extreme Rules. And the only one on this card is Extreme Rules. Uh, Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, Roman Reigns wins, hands down. I think Roman Reigns, once again, will not lose his title until someone from the outside comes in. And that possibly could be Brock at Crown Jewel. It possibly could be Brock, uh, Brock. It possibly could be Brock if uh, a Paul Heyman intervention, something happens along those lines. But I still feel like they're building up to something with The Rock. And it's so possible, especially this year, with SummerSlam right around the corner. Excuse me, Survivor Series right around the corner at the Barclays Center. Was it the 25th anniversary of The Rock? And he's possibly making an appearance over there at SummerSlam in the Barclays, why not build from Survivor Series to WrestleMania as a feud uh, going forward and have The Rock versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania, was that 38? <laughs> WrestleMania 38. Why not? I see it. It's so possible. It's so, so, so possible. And it's no knock against Brock. If he loses, uh, I would be a little surprised to see uh, Brock uh, end up on his back there at a crown jewel in a way. But at the same time, it would be the best thing for the company if you had The Rock returning face off Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Do they want to save that for when it's WrestleMania Hollywood two years from now? Maybe. Maybe. But I think they have the money ready to go right now because Roman Reigns is the hottest thing in pro wrestling right now. He's the hottest, hottest thing. So there's no real reason. There's no real reason to take the belt off of Roman Reigns. Everyone he touches turns to gold. Everyone he touches turns to gold, even if they turn to gold in another company because they realize, oh, man, you can have such a great match with Roman Reigns. And uh, the whole thing is that, oh, you have a match with Roman Reigns, and then now you're, you're, you're booted out of the company a few months later because now they have nothing left to, to do with you. But now it's so good for your career because you realize you had this amazing match against Roman Reigns, and now even that you're out of the WWE, 
you're going to have an amazing match against everybody else that's also in AEW, which is, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So I, if I'm Finn Balor and, and I look at this and yeah, fine, I have to take this loss against Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules, even as the demon, I'm willing to take it off the chin. I'm really, really, I'm willing to take it off the chin knowing that this is going to be the best thing for me moving forward. Finn Balor is going to be the best thing for me. It's no skin off his back. Uh, Roman Reigns, in my opinion, from from a wrestling perspective, and I know now making comparisons like this might not be the best thing in this climate, but Roman Reigns is the equivalent to Ric Flair holding the NWA Championship or the WCW Championship because, uh, especially NWA Championship, because he's going from territory to territory, bouncing around, taking their top guy, even though he's beating them and still the NWA Champion, he's still elevating whoever he's going up against. I know it's tough to elevate Finn Balor because he's already been on top of the world a few times, but as it currently stands, Roman Reigns is the hottest thing since sliced bread in pro wrestling, and it should continue to be like that for as long as he can pull it. And I think he can pull that all the way until a match with The Rock at at WrestleMania 38. I think that's very, very, very possible. Very, very possible. And he can even go farther than that. Because people have been waiting for him to turn heel for so long, and he finally turned heels, and everybody loves it. So why why kick it in the teeth now? Especially when Roman Reigns has such fantastic teeth. <laughs> All right, but uh, yeah, that's my predictions. Run through one one more time. Liv Morgan versus Carmella. I got Liv Morgan, Damian Priest, uh, Jeff Hardy, and Sheamus in the United States Championship triple threat match. Damian Priest, Usos versus the Street Profits. Got the Usos there. Charlotte Flair versus Alexa Bliss. I got Alexa Bliss here, but that's sort of a, a pick em 50-50. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Becky Lynch wins uh, by a screwy finish, but if, in paper, it's Becky Lynch. And uh, Roman Reigns versus the Demon Finn Balor. Uh, Roman Reigns, hands down, without a shadow of a doubt. All right, in our next episode of the Daily DDT Podcast, I'm going to give you my review for WWE Extreme Rules. This was the predictions. I'm going to give you my review. Do not miss out on that. Sure, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, no WWE Championship match on this card, at least not as I'm currently recording this. There could be something that pops up a little bit later. There could be something that pops up during the show. So that could happen. But as I'm recording this, there's no WWE Championship match with Big E involved in this pay-per-view as it currently stands. As it currently stands. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at dailyddt.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.